I was 12 years old when episode one came out. Finally, there was going to be a Star Wars movie for me in my time. Finally, I was going to find out about how Anakin became Darth Vader. Finally, we would find out what the Clone Wars were all about. These were questions that had been on my mind since I was about seven. I can't imagine what it would have been like for the people who'd waited from the late 70s and early 80s. There was a major LucasArts media campaign throughout the early and mid-90s that built a lot of hype for a prequel trilogy. It's hard to imagine now, but there was a time where it seemed the sun had set on Star Wars. In 1995, Rebel Assault 2 came out on PlayStation. It included live-action cutscenes with actors in full Star Wars cosplay. This was the first time actors had put on Star Wars costumes and had been filmed since Return of the Jedi. Also in the mid-90s, the special edition versions of the original trilogy were released in theaters. Then in 1996, a simultaneous multimedia campaign was launched with Shadows of the Empire. It was a video game, a novel, and a comic book, all telling a story that took place at the same time as Empire Strikes Back. Rogue One shortly followed on Nintendo 64 in 1998. These games were huge successes. The world was primed for more Star Wars. It stopped being the thing you watched with your dad on the weekend to something that you and all your friends were watching and talking about. For episode one, my dad picked up me and a bunch of my friends to see it. He knew someone who worked at the theater, so we got in early and picked the best seats. We didn't need to line up. I walked away feeling totally satisfied from that movie. Darth Maul, Jedi in their prime, pod racing, and the epic battle at the end. Sure, Jar Jar Binks was annoying, but at that time I couldn't say he was any more annoying than Ewoks or other weird Lucas creatures. This movie was made for kids. Star Wars has always been about kids, and this movie was made for me. This was the Star Wars movie of my time, and for that reason, it will always remain my favorite. I, I, st- I think it's really interesting that this one is, is your favorite. Like, this is the most commonly left out Star Wars movie. Oh, people just hate this movie. I know people hate this movie. And I know this movie, I know it has weaknesses. I was the intended audience when it came out. And to me, it was just amazing. Because how old would you would you have been? Like 13 or 12? Yeah, I was 12. Shadows of the Empire, Rogue Squadron, that was all kind of between age of 9 to 11. So I go from like being 7 or 8 watching these movies with my dad. Nobody else at school really watches them. They're like old movies, right? But then all of a sudden, these video games start coming out, and all my friends are talking about this stuff again. Like when the trailer came out for episode 1, whatever movie was playing the trailer, people would go buy tickets for that movie, they'd watch the trailer, and then they left. Which is insane. But they didn't have the same access to trailers that we do now. So I remember, like, when it came out on dial-up, you know, when somebody had downloaded it off of dial-up internet back in the night, like, we all ran over to his house to watch this trailer. And it just, like, it, for the time, it just, there's so much hype, there's so much energy and excitement and, and enthusiasm and i think this movie was kind of doomed from the start in terms of fan response because lucas has always been making these movies for kids mm-hmm. but now you've got an audience that has been growing up for 20 years right and these movies come out and what do you mean this is still made for kids yeah it is interesting i think this is the most explicitly made for kids of the star wars movies oh yeah yeah, it definitely has that feel, and you know what? It it gets a lot of hate for so many things. One thing, and I'll talk about this in my little blurb at the end, that I've never understood is people's criticism of the pod racing. 
I've always loved that. And I don't know if that's because I watched it as a kid, but that's always been my favorite scene in the whole movie. And uh, and then I've been later conditioned to just ooh and ah over the duel of the fates, which it is awesome, but it's still my favorite thing was always the pod racing. That was cool. It's definitely awesome, but it just, it makes the story drag. That Like that's one of the weaknesses of this movie is that, and, and of the prequels is that it lacks focus and it just kind of, we start hopping all over the place, right? And it's, why are we pod racing, but we're also in a trade dispute? Like there's no kind of central conflict. And now we're on Coruscant and we've got senators and debates and part, we're watching C-SPAN. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just galactic C-SPAN. And who, tell me who the main character is in this movie. It kind of feels like Obi-Wan-ish. Yeah. Like it, and I... I think it would have been better if if instead of it trying to be this uh, super connection to the the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, if it was, this is Obi-Wan's story, Anakin is a character in it, and you'll see how he develops, but the focus is on Obi-Wan and his relationship, right? I think that would have been great. And especially because Ewan McGregor is the best part of these mm-hmm. three prequels. I think like one, like just because some people, there's even that guy who said, what if the prequels were really good? And he does minor tweaks on this episode, but for two and three, he basically does a full on rewrite. And I think he's taking it too far. Like it's really at its core. These three sequel trilogy movies are pretty good. They need really small tweaks. Right. I think it would have been good. What we got in the original trilogy is we're kind of we're already in the middle of something, right? Mm-hmm. So if these movies had already started in the middle of the Clone Wars and it was about Obi Wan and Anakin from the beginning and Anakin was already grown up, that probably would have just lent itself to a better story overall. Instead of kind of let's explain to you how we got a clone army. Let's not really show the Clone Wars, we'll just kind of talk about them. Let's deal with all these politics and, and go into depth about how the Emperor became the Emperor. So you've got no kind of consistent good guys and bad guys i think and you'll find this when we watch as as we watch the clone wars tv show it would have been if they took the story of the clone wars tv show and made it into a trilogy that that would have been a better i think a better overall story because like we were talking in our episode two weeks ago with return of the jedi Mm mm-hmm we were we were saying how the original trilogy is this perfect trilogy because it all fits together, right? It's all one story and it, and it makes sense together as a progression. Mm-hmm. But then this prequel trilogy, they feel very much like they're independent films, mm-hmm. right? They don't fit together quite as well. You're still kind of following Anakin as he goes through his process to become a Jedi and then ultimately Darth Vader. But it, you're right, it lacks focus. And I, th- like, I think that's a general problem and challenge with prequels is that just kind of by what they are, it's expositional. Like it's very heavy exposition. And so like this is three movies of exposition for the next three movies instead of being three movies on their own. It's we're laying a lot of exposition and, and talking about a lot of the things that are mentioned in passing. This movie, this is three movies of backstory instead of three movies of story. Right. And I wonder with what we talked about last time of how 
or and in episode in our episode on a new hope as well we talked about the way they communicate backstory Mm -hmm. as well right i i wonder if that idea of communicating backstory just kind of through these offhand remarks that make sense in the scene yeah if like like if there were if 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 they communicated it that way they did more show than than tell and then i i wonder if the reason they didn't do that was because of the this building fan pressure yeah right because it had been 20 years and there there were these expectations right I, I wonder if that had something to do with it. Yeah, like to show so much – because there have been so many questions asked. And there have been novelizations and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of – like Coruscant was something that was created in novelizations. Right. That had been around for like 15 years. It's like, oh, I, got it. I better show this planet because people have been talking about it for the last 20 years and they want to see it. So now I've got to go here and this is – I've got to right. work around this stuff and – the whole the whole planet is one city. What the pilot says to Anakin as they're flying down, you know, like there's certain things they could have done. They could have referenced the trade dispute in conversation without showing us the trade dispute. They could have referenced what was going on in the Senate without showing us what's going on in the Senate. Right, right. Which I I would watch a Star Wars political drama. I think that would be interesting. Right. Sure, but the, like but, this, but not in this trilogy. That's its biggest flaw is that it just has a lack of focus. So getting back to the pod racing, which is where we originally got started, I think why that gets criticized is because it's like, God damn it. Can we just pick up the kid and get on with this trade dispute? Like, Well, and even Obi-Wan says, why do I get the feeling we've picked up another pathetic life form? Right. He says that about Anakin. Yeah. Like Obi- Obi-Wan is not keen on Anakin and on bringing yeah. him with. Do you want to get into that? Yeah, let's let's get into it. So the, if there's two crimes in the sequel trilogy, it or prequel trilogy, one is a lack of focus. The second is is that it shows the Jedi in their prime, not in a stage of decadence where they're actually falling apart. Mm. There's little hints that they're falling apart, and one of them is that the, the Jedi are supposed to be protectors of life and liberty and peace and justice and stuff like that. And Obi-Wan is like, he doesn't care about saving slaves on Tatooine. Yeah. He wants to be on Republic business and Qui-Gon is still kind of in touch with what the Jedi are supposed to be about. And he's all about saving people and helping people. Yeah. If you would only follow the council, you would be on it. And because the Jedi have always been good guys, you can't to, to make the audience believe that they're in a stage of decadence. You have to ham fist it. I think Mm -hmm. you have to show them failing. You have to show them getting tied up in diplomatic missions at the cost of saving people. Yeah. Instead of these little hints and tips. So Dave Filoni talks about the duel of the fates, right? And he references that comment by Obi-Wan, particularly that the duel of the fates is over the fate of Anakin. And how that battle goes is, oh, Qui-Gon Jinn becomes his father figure. And so if Qui-Gon Jinn wins, things are going to go well for Anakin. If they don't, he loses his father figure in all hope. Mm-hmm. Right? So they're fighting for the fate of this kid. But you don't get the feeling that that's what that battle is about. You, we'd never get a feeling for the stakes, right? Right. It's not obvious in there. Like we talked about two weeks ago with Luke's hand being set up as like, this is robotic hand. And then you have the light motif in the end, right? But it didn't identify. There was no clear uh, film 
language mm-hmm. that was telling us, hey, this is this is how it's going to go, right? They didn't make it make it clear. It, you know, if you really dove deep into it, you can figure it out. But it wasn't there for the audience to to say we need Qui Gon to to succeed. It was just kind of like, oh well, we knew Obi Wan trained him. You know, right there, there wasn't that urgency. And it's it doesn't become obvious that Qui Gon is right and the Council's wrong, right? In their approach, because he just gets reprimanded by his Padawan. And it's like, yeah, why doesn't he just listen to the council? Because the council's supposed to be the good guy. So why isn't he listening to them? We we start to see the uh, the the weakness of prequel dialogue beginning in here. But there is one thing that I want to say was really really good, and that I that I appreciated was in the beginning when you meet Obi Wan and. Qui-Gon says, be mindful, Obi-Wan, or whatever it is that he says to him while they're on the Trade Federation ship. It's not done with like a, did you notice this is Obi-Wan Kenobi? There's no wink and nod to yeah. the audience, which yeah. I feel like is something that would happen now. Yeah. Right? They A lot of the time they they do this thing where they they play to the audience, but I think George Lucas knew that people would be watching this one first, right? You watch one, two, three... And so he didn't do that because then it would just sound weird. Like, am I, you know, when you watch a show, like a comedy show, and there's a cameo from somebody and you know, you're like, I, I feel like I'm supposed to know who that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you go look it up. Who played blah, 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 blah in such and such and such. Right. In this, they could have done that and everybody would be like, am I supposed to care who this guy is? But they didn't. They just Oh, th- this is just my Padawan Obi Wan. He's nobody. Then they start doing it with other people. That R two makes an appearance. Here's my C three PO. Oh, and Darth Vader actually made C three PO. Oh, Bail Organa of Alderaan has actually been nominated as a Chancellor. Blah, blah, blah like. So it's interesting that you catch on to Obi Wan's not really getting ham fisted, but like everybody else, but they else start ham fisting everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They start doing a lot of. Uh, fan service i'm just calling out one great thing in the movie you love okay yeah there's some (laughs) really interesting pieces of attention to detail in this movie so you might not notice most people i've pointed out to haven't noticed it but when they fly to tatooine they pass two suns okay i didn't even notice that yeah and then when they start the duel of the fates when they start fighting darth maul he uh he gets backed up to a door yeah right and he actually to open that door he moves something with the force to hit the control panel to make the door open oh really it just doesn't like magically open yeah it's you know in and you see him it's he obviously he points at something right and then moves it and uh yeah oh just those are two little things that i picked up on where it's like right they are paying attention yeah very meticulous kind of detail that yeah i mean the duel of the fates darth maul killing off darth maul in this movie was i mean that lends itself to the the lack of focus and that reduces the opportunity for rising stakes with each movie is that we don't have a central bad guy right darth maul is basically the death star yeah yes exactly in in this do some damage and then get rid of it at the end not even that much damage he kills quite which i guess i guess you know that is a lot of damage but he doesn't blow up a planet like the death star did but it's, I love, um, like, one thing I, I didn't pick up on, but um, how Maul fights defensively to lure and break the Jedi up. 
right to break up obi-wan and Dar- uh qui-gon qui-gon yeah and then also the thing i was thinking was um why does qui-gon let himself get separated and why does he keep pursuing because if you remember obi-wan or obi-wan gets knocked off an edge and they get separated and then qui-gon keeps pursuing qui-gon doesn't start fighting defensively to kind of stall and wait for obi-wan Maul keeps fighting defensively, backing up, backing up, backing up, and Qui-Gon keeps pursuing. And I, I wonder if if that for Qui-Gon was like, a, you know, I have to, like he knew what this was about, mm-hmm. right? And and so he he was on the offensive because he thought it was important that that he defeat this this Sith, right? He wasn't thinking, oh, I can't take him alone. He he was thinking he was thinking I have to defeat him whether that's alone or with Obi Wan. I don't think that he thought he was going to win, and I never thought that, even as a kid, because he pauses and meditates at those doors. I think he knew he had to die, so that Anakin could get trained by Obi Wan, because the Council wasn't going to let it happen. He knew it had to be a dying wish, or else the Council would never let it happen. Interesting, and I could see that bit of meditation. Because he he was the first one, and they get into this at the end of Revenge of the Sith. They mention that uh, Qui Gon has more training, yeah, for Obi for Obi Wan that he found how to manifest himself after death. And I feel like maybe that meditation was part of that kind of final preparation of like, okay, like I need to be able to do this. That's what I always like. That's what I thought even as a kid because you saw. I've seen Obi-Wan disappear. I've seen Yoda disappear. I've seen them pause and meditate and and die. Right. So this guy who's pausing and meditating is also going to That's die. That's a good point. Well, I guess, I guess you're more astute than me. Pardon. Right? That, I was 12. But that was... That, I just remember... Well, I, I'm just like Jedi. Whenever they pause and meditate, it means they're going to die. <laughs> so I think... like I th- it, it didn't stand out until I watched it... Um, again at how defensive Darth Maul is and how aggressive Qui-Gon is but it's really yeah he knew that only with a dying wish would Anakin get trained that's interesting and one thing too when they say that he's too old to do the training and he's got all this attachment to his mother Mm -hmm. that really comes into play in the following films that kind of like oh we don't know and that explains why the Jedi kidnap babies yeah yeah great great guys Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Padme. Let's talk about the Queen, Queen Amidala. This was like one of my favorite things when they're on Naboo, and and the decoy, Kira Knightley, is the decoy in in this scene, I believe, and she turns. Uh, she's like being requested to do something scary. I forget exactly what it was, mm-hmm. but it was at the beginning. She she says, "Oh, I don't know if we should do that." And then she look back, looks back at uh, at Natalie Portman. She looks at Natalie Portman, her handmaid, and and says, "I'm worried about my handmaids." Looks at Natalie Portman, and Natalie Portman's like, "We're brave, my lady." It basically like you're brave. Mm-hmm. I you know like yeah. she's looking to the real queen for cues yeah. on what she should do. And the real queen says, you're going to be my decoy and you're going to effing like it. <laughs> and you're going to put your life on the line for me. 
you know, like, and it just if you watch that scene, it, just with that, you know, with that in mind, because you don't know upon first watch, you don't realize. But then when you watch it again, and you know that she's the decoy, and that this is the real queen, and that she's calling the shots, I just thought it was a funny interpretation in my head to think that she's like, you know, no, 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 you're you're brave, you can handle it. <laughs> Because the decoy originally declines. Yeah. I, what, what do you think they're trying to do with having the queen always using decoys and all that kind of stuff? What Do you think they're trying to achieve anything with that? Or do you think I'm just giving them too much credit? I don't know. I feel like it's just like a politically astute thing. You know, maybe Naboo has some history of their queens being assassinated. Not that there's like a cloudy, that we live in this cloudy gray world of deception. I mean, that could be it. And it's you, hard you, to know what's true. Like, that's me think, giving him too much credit, I think. Um, might be. Might it's be. A weird, it's a weird thing. I think it's didn't happen in the other movies. Right. Yeah, right? Like, right, but they didn't have the budget to hire Carrie Fisher lookalikes. <laughs> and, that, and now they can, yeah. you know, now get all can. the all the Natalie Portman lookalikes they want. Lookalikes. Yeah, who ended up being Kira Knightley. Did a great job. Yeah, and nobody could tell them apart when they were in costume. Yeah, I, I mean, so. it helps that the Queen of Naboo wears all this makeup. Makeup, yeah. Right, and like these crazy dresses, the one dress where you can see the plug mm -hmm. plugged into the wall. Oh, I missed uh, that. I missed that. Yeah, there, there's that scene where she's looking out uh, of the uh, window at, I think, Thede's palace, right? and uh, And she's got this big dress and then there's these big lights on the bottom of it yeah there's a cord there's a wire running from the dress and then behind a pillar mm -hmm. to be plugged in and, and powered and lit up okay i missed that one wow <laughs> well once you see it you're not going to be able to unsee it it's yeah it's pretty funny so I uh, want to talk about Jake Lloyd and Anakin Skywalker and kind of the worst of humankind. Yeah, let's do it. How that, that I think, so they cast Jake Lloyd, who's just this sweet little boy to be Anakin. Yep. And the kid's acting his heart out. Yep. And uh, he gets so much fan backlash that he ends up retiring from acting. And like, if people try and talk to him about Anakin, like in interviews, he gets very, very aggressive. Like he very much hates this part. He ended up getting diagnosed, unfortunately, with, uh, by, uh, schizophrenia oh really um yeah he's had some challenges but the like imagine being eight or nine years old you get cast in the star wars movie and people in their 40s are writing about how much they hate you on the internet right and he did a great job as good as he could do yeah right and it, and it's like that that showed the worst of humanity i think that was foreshadowing for what twitter and facebook would become is the fandom menace and how people just eviscerate this eight-year-old boy or 10-year-old boy online yeah and it's like who cares yeah and well and the same thing happened to ahmed best for jar jar Banks uh, as jar jar yeah. yeah yeah like people tore him apart mm -hmm. because he got an acting gig and played this character who yeah jar jar is weird and rewatching that movie jar jar does not look good like it's not good cgi i mean for 1999 sure but you know but then people criticize him right and can like can you tell me he's honestly more annoying than a jawa an ewok or any of the other weird made-up creatures right. right right i'd say he's like he's too 
this is part of the problem with focus is that like is he part of the crew is he not part of the crew he doesn't really add anything we've already got the two droids like what what hole is he filling in here that's that's the thing when you when you create these characters especially in these huge fandom things and then people forget whether they're talking about the character or the actor and i think star wars has a legacy of that like i think that is a huge you know thing i mean everybody even even harrison ford everybody always asking him well did han shoot first Mm -hmm. and then everybody's like oh why is harrison ford such a grumpy old man saying i don't care what do you mean why is he such a grumpy old man why should he care why should he care this is not his thing. He was hired to do a job, and he did it really, really well. I've been out of university for eight years, and if somebody asked me about why I did something eight years ago, yeah, I'd be pretty annoyed. If somebody was asking me about something, like in 30 years from now, if somebody says, "What did you? why did you do that thing at work 50 years ago? I'd be like, get the... Yeah. Like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? I don't care. Yeah. Well, right? and, it was a paycheck. It was a job. Yeah. Like, and to expect them to be an expert on the character <laughs> yeah. too. It's like, I didn't write this. I, where yeah. do you see a writing credit for me? I showed me. up and I did yeah. my job, maybe improvised a couple lines, made some suggestions. I don't know. And that's what Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd did with their characters in this movie and and people do that with with a ton of things and i also think on the other side sometimes sometimes i think it's hard to separate you from the character as well because you did your best right mm-hmm. and so i think as an actor i imagine it would be hard i mean as a podcaster for me when people talk about you know a guest that i have on the show i sometimes feel defensive because that's my guest right i didn't tell them what to say or anything but it's still on my podcast, you know? And so it makes sense that as an actor, you'd already feel kind of with your guard up when they're just criticizing a character you played, but then it becomes this, oh, they're the problem. They're the problem. Like you're what's wrong mm-hmm. with Star Wars. Not, not this character, mm-hmm. you, right? It becomes yeah, personal. You, personally, as if you had, you had something as to like, do with I this. I showed up to work every day like everybody else. Right? And I, yeah. I'm I'm sorry the instructions yeah. I were was given weren't great. I'm sorry I was eight years old. You know, like yeah, yeah. And I I think Star Wars has a really unfortunate reputation for when there when there's a bad character. Jar Jar is not a great character. Yeah, I'd say Young Anakin's not a great yeah. character. Yeah, and then people people take it too far. That's a whole we could do a whole podcast on. <laughs> toxicity in star wars yeah the fandom menace (laughs) yeah so i'd say like for this movie this is a great standalone movie i think Mm -hmm. really does stand alone because there ends up being too much time between this one and the next one for it really to be carrying the same story Mm -hmm. anakin doesn't end up being the central character of this story which is unfortunate there's no central character of this story but on the pro side i mean darth maul is awesome the jedi lightsaber battles are awesome even at the time the the cgi was good enough the pod racing scene awesome there's so much in here that is awesome it's weekly held together but when you're a kid and you watch it it is an excellent movie i think it's fun full disclosure i am not just a prequel apologist i'm a fan don't worry i get the criticisms 
I mean, well, most of them. My dad's dream was always to have a home theater. I remember when he finally got the speakers set up, wires everywhere and a projector propped up by old books. We put in our brand new DVD copy of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I had no idea what all this trade dispute nonsense was about. I didn't really care. I was waiting for the pod race, the rearing of the engines, young Anakin's Jedi-like reflexes, and the scheming of Sebulba. I lived for this scene, and I still do. Everything else about this movie is secondary to me.